Hey, this is Dave Fryer. Welcome to The Reluctant Agilist. I am here with Jennifer Tharp, who is a very special guest and who I've known for a really long time. And I appreciate you making time in your af- It's evening, right, where you are? Yep. Okay. So you are not from Venice, but you're living in Venice. That's right. Okay. So we're going to talk about that in a little bit. And if people are not familiar with your background, how do you explain to people what you do? Because it, even though I underst- I know what you do, I don't think I could explain it to somebody. I don't think I could explain it to anybody. Uh, So my background is I have done project management for a long, long time. um, And as a result, I've had a very interesting career. I've always said that project management is a good career for people with short attention spans. And that is definitely (laughs) me. Um, You're always learning. There's always, you know, so many things to pick up. Um, but I have a long history in, um, thinking about project management, working on project management, volunteering in the field, et cetera. Um, right now I am currently serving as the chair of the board of directors for project management Institute, but I will, uh, have to say that all the opinions that you hear today are going to be my opinions, not necessarily those of. PMI, et cetera, et cetera. But um, yeah, so I have that uh, being on the board of PMI is actually a volunteer role. So uh, it doesn't pay the bills. So I I didn't um, know that. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) How are you paying the bills? Well, so I I still have consulting clients. I have a client back in uh, San Francisco. uh, And uh, I, I normally help people prepare for IPOs or some kind of merger or exit as a, as an organization. So I work with a lot of startups. I work with some larger organizations too. Um, in the early on in the pandemic, I developed a strategic plan for the state of California. That one, that one is one that I'm really happy about. So, yeah, so I I do a lot of different things. I have a short attention span. So, and you're doing them remotely, which we're going to talk about too. Yeah, you bet. Okay. I have a lot of questions, but since, since the volunteer thing came up sure. and that's how we met, I'm just wondering, can you comment a little bit on the impact that volunteering has had on your career and, and what you've gotten out of that? Because to me, I always explain it's like there's no better investment you can make in just job security and building a network than volunteering. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, I don't think that I ever got a job directly from volunteering, but it's profoundly extended my skill set. Okay. Like I used to tell people all the time, if you want to learn about marketing, go volunteer at your local chapter and take on marketing. And it's a friendly place where you can learn and experiment and, uh, and study and, and do things on your own. So that's, that's um, some of the ways that it's helped me. But honestly, I think more than it being good for my career, it has been great for my life. Um, I, I have made some fantastic friends everywhere in the world. If you uh, picked me up in a balloon and dropped me down someplace, uh, guaranteed I would either find someone that I knew or find someone that I can make connections with through other people that I knew. So um, it's great for building a network both professionally and personally. And um, yeah, I, I, I don't think I would have ended up in Venice without 
having had uh, all the volunteer experiences I've had. And you get to see the world too. I mean, I think, I think we maybe met in Denver, but one of the first times we hung out was in Malaysia. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I mean, that I, I always explain, like I have a global network of friends and mentors that I can reach out to at any time. And, and I didn't get that from my MBA. I no. volunteering. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I, I have, I have friends in San Francisco that we joke around that we see each other more in, uh, countries or airports countries yeah. than we do back home. So yeah, yeah. cool. That definitely happens. All right. So we're going to start out with the question that you raised that I don't know if I have an answer to, <laughs> but I'm, and I'm going to, I have a follow-up question that I do have an answer to. So the first one is, what is your favorite project management? Oh, I just thought of my answer. What is your favorite project management movie? Oh, that's that is that is my favorite question, which is why we talked about it. Um, I am always, always, always trying to get people to watch this movie. Um, the only problem with this movie, and I'm going to say it before I say the name of the movie, is that it includes a lot of project management jargon. Uh, AKA a lot, a lot, a lot of swearing. So if you have problems with that kind of project <laughs> management, this Cheers might not be for you. But but I love it. It's called Lock L O C K E. Um, like the he's the, in the car. Uh, uh, it it stars Tom Hardy, yeah, and it is amazing movie. You've seen it, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's it's like a one man movie, right? Yeah, the whole thing is in a car almost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, so uh, it's the coordination and the phone calls you're talking about. Well, that and if you not going to give a spoiler to to people, but if you remember what he's starting to talk about before he gets into the depths of the movie, um, he's talking about the very next day. There's this huge concrete pour that he is yeah. responsible for. And he's driving away from his responsibility and everybody's, you know, and so he's trying to coordinate it over the phone at the same time that his whole life is falling apart. It's really awesome. That's great. I I would not have picked that one. I feel like there's a better answer than the one that I've, that's popped into my head, but um, one one that's popped into my head is the founder. And Mm -hmm. only because of the scene when they're in the basketball or tennis court or basketball court, it's the one about McDonald's. And mm-hmm. they're drawing the lines on the on the on the ground, mimicking working in the restaurant, figuring out the most efficient layout for the restaurant, and uh, just that iterative approach to like prototyping in a weird space. I think is really cool. I'm sure That's there's. Cool. A I've one. I've heard about that movie, but I haven't it's seen it. I, I I had it advertised at me, and I was like, I really want to watch a movie about McDonald's. You know, it's well. But it's, it's supposed to be really good. I know it is really good. It's not. I. I don't think it's my favorite Michael Keaton movie, but it's really good. I'm trying to think of my the the one that is my favorite, but it'll come back. It can't all me. be Mr. Mom, right? It's well, that's the one that I was thinking of. But I'm thinking of the one with Henry Winkler that is one of my favorite movies, and I suddenly can't remember the name. It's where they run the prostitution ring out of the morgue. Um, mm, so it's the first know. big movie. All right, who is your favorite, or who if you had to pick somebody from? movies, TV, books, who is your model project manager? Like when you think of this is the person I want to embody, who are you trying to be? (laughs) Now the first, the first person that popped into my head is going to make you laugh. 
um, because it's not a very organized person. But the person that popped into my head was Pippi Longstocking. Okay. <laughs> I've not read Pippi Longstocking. I haven't read her since I was a little girl. So it's kind of funny that she popped into my head. But my memory of her, and now like any parent that is listening to this that has read it in the last 10 years is going to be like, you don't remember this book at all. Um, But my (laughs) my memory of the book is like, it's this very resourceful little girl who has to like figure everything out for herself. And, um, And she's very disorganized, but she figures out a way. So, um, yeah, that's the, that's the first thing that pops into my head. What, it, what, what is your favorite? And maybe I'll come up with something better. My favorite is Radar O'Reilly. That's like, that's what mm, I would think about when I started nice. project management, because just the part where he would always hear the choppers before they came and mm-hmm. the fact that he would know how to get stuff other people couldn't get like that. That's what I was oh, trying to good. be when I was a project manager, the guy who sees the stuff before the other people do, who can resource things other people can't, who can find mm-hmm. ways to get people like Henry Blake to do things that he wouldn't do. Um, mm-hmm. That is what I was aiming at when I started to become, a, when I realized like this is something that's I cool. want to do. That was my model. Hmm. So, and like night shift that. is the, Michael Keaton movie that is his finest work, I believe. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. And one of the I, I certainly like that better than, uh, what was the one from a couple of years ago where he's flying through the air? Um, not Batman, the other one. Birdman. You didn't like Birdman. <laughs> I loved Birdman. I thought yeah, it was really A lot good. of people did. Yeah. Not my All favorite. Right. All right. So let's talk about project management in general. Now, things have changed a lot since you and I started working in this field. Mm-hmm. And I'm one of the things I've been, I've been asking people a lot about where they think it's going. If you think it's at an inflection point, cause I'm, I'm seeing some stuff and I'm wondering if things are changing and I'm just curious as to like the general state of project management. How do you think it's going? Like what's happening? What are you noticing? I think I'd push back on the concept of the inflection point. Okay. Because in my career in project management, my I started working in project management probably in the mid nineties, mm-hmm. but I didn't like find PMI and I didn't go that direction until like ninety nine, I think. Um. So, but one thing that I've always thought was true is that it's always changing. Um, it's always evolving, um, as new, um, industries get involved in project management, they end up coloring things. Uh, you know, I look back just a few years ago, probably more than a few, I'm getting old. Everything seems like a few years ago and it's like 20, um, you know, exactly. But, uh, you know, I, I look at design thinking and its profound impact on project management. And I think that any project manager that hasn't like really, you know, dived into design thinking and made that part of uh, your practice and your approach, you're behind, catch up, catch up, <laughs> do some reading. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I think it's, it's super important. So, you know, and we've had so many methodologies, we've had so many different ideas um, so I think, I think it's a constant evolution, a lot of things changing all the time. Um, 
So I wouldn't say that it's an inflection point, but I do think that there's a lot more opportunities that are arising. Um, I think that I think that the one thing that you could say is people are thinking more about the future because uh, with the current uh, passion that you see I was everywhere, say, the current depressing state of just business in general. It's too miserable to think about where things are. (laughs) Um, But but no, but also like, you know, who hasn't played with chat GPT and AI and and wondered, well, how could this make my my job different? And and so there's you know, there's a lot of energy and focus put into, you know, those kinds of ideas. So, I mean, I think a lot of people are thinking about the future and (laughs) where it's going to take us. But um but yeah, I think it's it's always evolving. And if you're not evolving, then you're going to be one of those people that are like, I haven't been able to get a job, you know, yeah. interview in a couple of years. I mean, it's just, you know, yeah. I, I don't think it's so much project management specifically, but I think, you know, as someone who works in technology, like if you're not always learning new stuff, then yeah, the world's going to kind of pass you by. So I'm cheery, aren't I? <laughs> well, you know, it's just infuriating because I keep coming up with questions and then you say something else. I'm like, damn it. I have to ask about this. <laughs> um, all right. So we've talked about this offline, but you and I are both people who share a passion for this field and are people who pursue the things that we learn out of like a selfish interest. Like if design mm-hmm. thinking is a great example. I mean, to me, that's a really amazing missing piece from project management. I can't figure out why I didn't learn about value stream mapping when I studied project. Oh yeah. Um, How do you, or is there something that keeps you excited about it? Like you, you always seem to be finding new things, but how there's people that are stuck. They're like, yeah, I'm just bored. Mm -hmm. I've been doing this the same way for years. Um, What creates the spark for you? Mm. I think For me, I think a big part of it is just always being open to new ideas. I think in in San Francisco, I've been very fortunate. I've managed to collect a a large friend community. And the one thing that none of us ever talk about is work. Um, We don't talk about our jobs and anything. No, no, no. Um, but, but, but my friends, they all work in completely different fields. So some people work in design, some people work in technology, this, you know, this girl is a doctor, this guy, and, and we don't like sit and talk about our jobs, Okay. but we do talk about the ideas that are engaging us. So maybe, you know, my friend who works at a biotech company, uh, starts talking at dinner about like some new, uh, concepts and ideas that he's been playing around with that he thinks might apply to biotech. And it's like, that's really cool. I wonder how that would work with construction. And, you know, and so you end up just, even though you're not talking about your job, we talk, we talk more about ideas and, you know, for me, that's, that's a big engine, um, in terms of, you know, just having, having conversations with people in different fields that are coming across different ideas. Um, And one other thing that I think is interesting is uh, it's kind of an idea that uh, I've been thinking about for the past couple of weeks. 
um, which is something that my parents would have killed me for saying uh, if I'd said while they were still alive. But I think that I realize that the only degree worth getting is a moral philosophy degree. Because I think everything always comes down, especially the older you get and the more complex issues you face, the more you start thinking about like, well, you know, it all comes down to ethics. It all comes down to how we, how we look at what's right and wrong for a particular technology, a particular industry and how you, um, how you make those things work. I mean, all of us have, you know, codes of ethics that we comply with, but they're always that, you know, there's always the rubber hits the road thing where, you know, I'm working for an oil extraction company in a, in a, in a country that is um, still up and coming. And, you know, they have different rules and my company says, just do what you need to do to make it happen. I mean, there's so many issues that if we're able to go back to some kind of a framework, a Mm -hmm. mental model, we're able to come and defend our positions a lot better Mm -hmm. and be able to stand up for what we think is right. If we just go and say, well, I can't do that because that's wrong. That's not a really good argument, especially wow. when somebody's saying, oh, yes. but there's $12 million on the line. What is your wrong? You know, who are you to say this is wrong? So, so I, I just, I, I find those things. It's a lot of layers to what you just said. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> a bunch of them I'm afraid to pursue in the podcast, but <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. So, but, but those are those are the kinds of ideas I like to play with because you never know where they're going to go. Yeah. And those are the the ideas that once you, you you start churning around with an idea that has ostensibly nothing to do with project management, you know, you always end up turning around and figuring out how would this apply to a work of a project manager or how would I react okay. if I was a project manager in this situation. And, and so I always find those, those things really fascinating and really, really difficult. Um, but those I think are the, the problems that, that cause and spark new ideas. Yeah. So yeah. you just, you were talking a few minutes ago about, um, you know, getting together with your friends. And when you said you don't talk about work, like one of my struggles with my friends, my friends don't like to talk about work either. And that's all I talk about because <laughs> Most of my, other than playing music, all my hobbies are related to my job because I'm just so fascinated by the different parts of it. So Mm. for me, it's like tactical stuff, but it almost sounds like if I was going to show up for a dinner party at your house, I would feel obligated to show up with like my first, second and third ideas that I was going to throw out and see if anybody like climbed onto them. Is that, is that part of like the structure of your relationship with your friends? It's not just people are going to come with a biotech idea, but you're expected to engage, expected to show up and be interesting when you're there. Oh yeah. I would, I would definitely say that I've, um, I, I don't know who it was that said that the, the greatest crime is to be boring, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think that's true. And I think that that's one reason why I try to, you know, avoid talking about, you know, mundane aspects of work. I mean, there's ways that you can talk about your passions and your excitements 
yeah. in ways that are engaging to people who this is not their work and this is not what they do. Um, and, and, and ways of opening up the conversation and pulling people in. Okay. I mean, uh, one thing that I, I'll add to that is, you know, it's, it's playing with ideas like that, that, that really got me involved in like thinking about how can you apply concepts of sustainability to project management? And mm -hmm. that for me, that entirely came from, well, first it came from like being in Hong Kong and hearing this guy speak. Um, and he was talking about, you know, you are responsible for what, you know, what, your project produces that mm -hmm. your project is going to introduce a product or service into the world and and you are accountable for it and i never heard anybody say anything like that that was like 2006 2007 and okay. i was like <laughs> i just had no idea um, well, you were the first person i met in project management that wanted to talk about sustainability yeah, because at the time, everybody was like, no, you know, a project man a project is something that somebody gives me and then I give it back to them with a little bow and it's all done and yeah. and then and then we're good and that's our contract. And and um, but no, I mean, but the more I thought about this and the more I read about this, the more I thought, wow, I really want to play with this idea. And for me, the root cause of good ideas and yeah. the way, you know, people ask, have asked me, like, how do you come up with a good idea for a presentation? And it's always like, take two things that have nothing to do with each other and ram them Not into each other until they start making sense. And, um, and, and that's what I love to do. And that's, you know, so it's like something, something that's fascinating with something I know yeah. and combine them and you can create a whole new field. So, so that's I started capture, tracking the number of times you just talked about playing with ideas, like how many times you've used the word play, oh. <laughs> but because it's a, I think it's a really big deal. So I'm at four times you brought that up. Oh, wow. And you also, to me, I would put design thinking in that camp as well, mm -hmm. because it is just like juggling the thing, trying to look at it from all the possible angles and see every side of it without ever saying, this is the one true path. That's um, right. It's almost like improv in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. um, and it can go a bunch of different directions. So that I, I wanted to call that out because I, I think I'm different than that, but also... <laughs> There's a lot, not in a bad way, but there's a lot of people who are like, no, it's work. It's not play. And I think that that is a big part of what keeps the spark going too, is if you're doing a job that's not fun, you should, if you can, you should stop doing it. Not everybody has that option, but I feel really right. blessed to have a gig where like, when I get up, in the morning, I, like, I'm excited to get up and work. Like I get up, I get up to have coffee. That's the only reason I get out of bed. But <laughs> after I have coffee, I'm like, I want to work. Like I just, I can't wait to do it. Um, and there's so many different aspects of it that fascinate me. So you keep talking about play. I'm always, I always tell people, I'm just incredibly selfish. Like I don't play. It's nice, but I see something that I'm interested in and I just want to go chase that down. Mm -hmm. And the problem I run into is, I, I come to a dinner party. I can't talk to people about anything because it doesn't make sense to anyone but me. And when I talk about it, I sound like Dennis Hopper from Apocalypse Now. I'm like, yeah. you don't understand, man. And people are like, no, we don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly the problem. <laughs> yeah. But I think we're both probably really lucky in that we found ways to keep it exciting and interesting because mm -hmm. it's not – I don't think a lot of people would say that project management's like 
an exciting field from the outside. No, no. But you can I mean, most, most people that I know, especially people that work in tech, because that's, you know, most people in San Francisco yeah. are like, oh my gosh, yeah, you couldn't, uh, you couldn't pay me enough to be a project manager. <laughs> it's just it's not a rewarding job, but yeah. So you know, I mean, how would you like to have a career where you put in charge of things you can't control and blame for stuff you had nothing to do with? Who doesn't want that job? <laughs> Absolutely. So what do you think people that are kind of, I mean, we met probably in our late 20s, right? Mm-hmm. People that are in that space now, right? Other than just yelling, get off my lawn at them. Like, what could you yell to them and tell them, these are some things that you should be looking at or thinking about as you move further down this path. If they've chosen this as a career path, mm-hmm. um, what would you tell them to, to study? I mean, or, or try to develop skills in? Well, I mean, clearly, you know, so far, so far everyone has learned that my main skills are I have a short attention span and I like to play. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, maybe that, I mean, maybe that's it. Just that kid. I, like, I think so. Oh, look, a squirrel kind of a, you know, Chase it down and, but mashing the things together too. Everybody I know who's got a long career in this. And I, and first I had it going on in my head. Bob Trani was the first person I talked to about it. Bob talked about developing critical path when he was cooking, like he'd make dinner for his family and he's constantly oh, that's thinking so about delightful. Yeah. Um, but taking your profession and things are outside and jamming them together. Yeah. And, it's funny because what you say about Bob makes me um, think about the one piece of advice that I got a ton of that I listened to that maybe I shouldn't have, um, which was, you know, I always really loved, I didn't always, but I developed an incredible love of cooking Um, and would, you know, I'd cook something that would take five days to make and just like be incredibly ridiculously, um, over the top. And, and people would, would be like, Oh, wow, you should do this for a living. And the thing that I always heard was, no, if you really love doing something, you shouldn't do it for a living because then that'll take all the joy out of it. I completely agree with that. But I now I'm starting to wonder if. Well, so what would be the thing that you shouldn't do? If following that rule, like that was me in the music business. I should not work in the music business. <laughs> Is was it because now I'm interviewing you? Okay. Was it because like your passion was so great that your judgment was low, or That's why? Why should? So I yeah. was going to play, and I realized that I don't have the skill or dedication to do that. Then I worked in recording studios and realized that is a soul-sucking nightmare of an existence no one should be forced to endure. And then when I worked at the label, um, that was where I learned that my – you say it's passion. I think it's passion too, but um, I think people who work in the music business have to be comfortable exploiting it. And mm. there were times when I would have to send rejection letters to people who – I had bought every one of their albums. Like I would happily stand in line all night and wait to see these people play because I thought they were changing music. Yeah. And I have to say, like, you know, sorry, we don't hear any hits here. I can't I can't. Well, how much how much of that is something that 
if you fast forward to like mm. today and you know much more about what you can and can't do in life, you know, is, could that have been an opportunity to like, I don't know, develop your own label, do something, you know, what it did was turn, I, turn that into something you love. So I worked for Clive Davis for a while. I was his nighttime assistant for a couple of years. And mm -hmm. I learned more from being that man's like nighttime secretary than I did in my whole MBA program. Um, wow. in, in, and it was all about the skill he had in relating to people. The fact mm -hmm. that he could send somebody like any, anybody who's won like a bucket of Grammys, he could send them a letter that says this, no, but you, you're amazing. And the way that he would craft that and the way that he would deal with people, I wish I had like recorded it. Um, yeah. but that, that experience was really important to me and I've carried everything from music into what I do now. So when I'm working with people, I think of it as playing music. When I'm mm -hmm. teaching, I don't play on stage anymore because I don't need to. I get to teach. It's just, mm -hmm. It fulfills the same need, right? So yeah. I think maybe having that experience and realizing I shouldn't work in that field is what makes makes me kind of good at what I do now, maybe in some That's ways. That's cool. And That's I can protect cool. it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you don't have to exploit it. Um, so what's your secret field that you shouldn't work in? Probably not cooking, because um, I worked at Wendy's for three months. In I don't think that counts. <laughs> it was a terrible experience. I, I, nobody has ever been so happy to get mono because I, <laughs> I had to quit my job. Um, so you know, probably not that because, and I know it's a it's a brutal existence. It's funny. I um, <clears throat> a couple of years ago, a couple of years ago. I guess it was a year ago. Couldn't have been a couple of years ago. Would have been, would have been last year. Um, I was at an art event and I ended up talking to this artist and his uh, representative. And we ended up like having beers and hanging out. And, um, and his representative was talking about getting the artist into uh, NFTs. Mm -hmm. And I ran through in like an hour and a half, all the reasons why that was a really bad idea and exactly how the market works, this, that, and the other thing. And they were so thankful. And they were like, you should work in this field. People need to know this stuff. And I was like, I was like, oh, you know, but I mean, I, I love, I love being around the art market. Um, yeah. The art market is also, very strange because, you know, I, what I like is art, um, right. modern, contemporary, interesting, um, really wild art. What I don't like are the ways that people with a ridiculous amount of money act around art. Yeah. So it's probably, it's probably not the, uh, the right field for me either. <laughs> maybe. So I'm wondering if maybe that's part of it too, is that in order to be able to like an, engage in and thrive and enjoy the field that you make your living in, you have to have the other thing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Because the other thing is what keeps, keeps the spark going and keeps you going. I mean, I don't spend my day thinking about project management. I spend my whole day thinking about music. I'm just doing project management stuff. 
Um, right. I had never thought of that before. That was, I appreciate what you said about art. That's really cool. <laughs> um, all right. One last question. If there was one thing that you could change in the way people are, I don't want to say managing work. I want to say with engaging work, like one thing that you could snap your fingers and everybody would instantly understand this. Um, what would you change right now? Is it NFTs? You get rid of NFTs? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that would be delightful. Um, <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny. If you asked me a year ago, I would have said that from a technology perspective, I think it would be good to get rid of um, what we in Silicon Valley call the cult of the engineer. The only person that's important in a company is the engineer. Yeah. And the only person that's really important is the tech founder. Um, a year ago, I would have said that, but I think Elon Musk has single-handedly. <laughs> taking care of that one. Everybody's vision about the brilliant tech founder. So that's, so he's taking care of that one for me. So I appreciate that. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think, I, you know, part of me, part of me feels like it would be great if people could explore more concepts like design thinking, uh, mm -hmm. to introduce more joy into the work that they do, yeah. um, to have more fun with it. Uh, I think that that's, that's pretty important. Um, yeah. I think that, I think that's mostly it. I mean, I spend a lot of time. The reason why I care about NFTs is because I, I focus a lot on fraud. Um, okay. I find fraud fascinating. It's part of the driver of the work that I do. The reason why I work with startups is, um, to eliminate opportunities for fraud and to ensure wow. that like, yeah, to ensure that, when a, a, a company puts their financials out that it's believable and trustable and it's not like FTX or something. And that goes um, back to that philosophy, moral philosophy thing too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so, so yeah, so I don't know. I, I, I think uh, that's probably a combination of those two things, which is okay. uh, have more joy, play more with concepts and ideas um and come back to that moral philosophy <laughs> all right cool thank you well, what if people want to reach out to you what's the best way to track you down and ask you more questions about art or whatever uh twitter just kidding um <laughs> wow you can't even say twitter anymore damn okay <laughs> uh no, well i was i i was not a huge fan of twitter even before um elon bought it but okay. um no, I mean, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, you can, you can okay. find me. I'm, I'm pretty public. I live a pretty public life. Um, so I'm pretty easy to find. Cool. So. And I didn't even ask you about the remote thing. So maybe I'll have to do that when you get back. Oh. That was, we were supposed to do an interview about you being a remote worker and I completely got derailed because of a local squirrel. 
Well, you know, I, I will give you the short answer, which it comes back again to joy and design because it's like, oh, I can work from anywhere. Um, why am I going to work from down the street from my startup? Why, mm. why don't I just work from literally anywhere? So, yeah. That's cool. All right, well, thank yeah. you very much for making time for this. Yeah, it's super fun. <laughs> it was, it was great good, seeing uh, you too. Catching up. Yeah. Cool. <laughs>